Hello, and thanks for tuning in. You have landed on Renegade Files, your resource for deep paranormal tales, unsolved mysteries, and underground culture. I am your host, Lex Gordon, bringing you the good stuff from the Jungle Villa Outpost, deep in the uncharted tropics. You are listening to Renegade Files, episode 46, Flying Cryptids. By their very nature, cryptids are elusive, glimpses of them fleeting, and accounts of their whereabouts hidden just beyond tree lines, below Black Lake waters or in the green glow of night vision trail cams. But there are some cryptids, quite a good few actually, that take to the air. Creatures that cannot be identified, but that can fly. And if we're dealing with this or that cryptid that includes flying among its powers, then it might seem like such a being would be even harder to catch, harder to find, or to prove. However, the interesting thing about this situation is that when something is flying, it has left the tree cover and the darkened caves, and once it's airborne, people can and do see them. So because of this, the world of flying cryptids is also the world of mass sightings, multiple events, and perennial experience. So caution to the wind, adventure awaits. I'm your Captain Lex Gordon. Buckle up, kick back, and come with me to fly the freaky skies as we explore the lofty beasts known as flying cryptids. On a summer evening in 2019, a young man who wishes to remain nameless was visiting his parents at their home in a small Kansas town. Joined by his aunt, he took his two dogs out for one last walk. They walked down a fieldside road and together marveled at the stars in the clear night sky. Both were startled when a large dark creature glided over them. It had approached from behind and they were shocked at its size. The man said the creature had a wingspan of 8 to 10 feet, and they could see dim points of stars through the skin-like wings as it flew overhead. The man swung up his flashlight beam, and as it crossed the moving beast's underside, he saw that it was black, with mottled fur on its narrow body, and he was horrified to glimpse its snarled but human-like face. The being sneered at the beam in disgust. It looked off flew away in silence and passed just above a string of power lines without flapping its wings. Both dogs became agitated, pulled at their leashes, and barked at the creature. They watched as the creature vanished into the distant sky and the dogs in time calmed. On the way back home, they crossed a field and once again the dogs became excited. 
But this time, they weren't barking at the sky, but sniffing the ground and pulling urgently at their leads across the dry grass. In the flashlight beam, the man saw what the dogs must have smelled. Just ahead on the ground, the mutilated remains of some type of small game animal, a large rabbit or maybe a small raccoon. Also nearby, the carcass of a bird, feathers streaked with fresh blood littered the mostly eaten prey. The man guessed that the creature they had seen had been the hunter, but he could not know for sure. Soon, he heard of other sightings in the area, both recent and in recent years, and as he spoke to townsfolk, he discovered that such a leathern-winged beast had been seen in the area for generations. Locals call it the Kansas City Winged Demon, a large bat-like monster with the face of a man and a wingspan of 10 feet. Some accounts tell of the creature landing, walking awkwardly across the ground in what is described as a wobbling manner and making a clicking sound. One person was chased indoors by such a creature, only to hear it clicking and scratching across his metal rooftop. Others have seen these beasts perched atop distant fence posts at dusk, or landing among rocky outcroppings, but few if any photographs exist, and the visual records consist of eyewitness sketches and the dreaded artist's rendition. Some suggest it's just a bat combined with fearful imaginations, but for those who believe, the Kansas City winged demon is a terrifying beast with a perennial presence and one to be watched for in the dark Kansas night. Next up, we have another bat-like creature, but less of a traditional silhouette and more of a monster in the form of Bat-Squatch. Bat-Squatch is more humanoid in that it has arms and legs like a man, but is covered in hair or fur. It does have bat wings and is large like Bigfoot at about 9 feet tall. All of this combines to give us the name Bat-Squatch. This is a terrifying image of a fanged, muscular, vicious primate with wings like a bat that has been seen patrolling the skies around Mount St. Helens in Washington State for ages. One theory is that the creature is some form of relic hominid mammal that evolved to accomplish flight, much like bats, which may be a distant cousin. In the process of making this episode, I was surprised at how many people I talked to who have never heard of the Bat Squatch. Not that I'm an expert on this cryptid, but it seems that most of the large primate cryptid research is focused on Bigfoot. There is an amazing web document written in 2021 by Nicholas Elberg entitled Bat Squatch Monitoring, Where Should Research Stations Be Constructed? This is an in-depth scientific analysis of Washington state terrain, elevation, woodlands, and water and wild food source supplies that creates a data set of the most viable locations for bat squatch monitoring and research stations, and it's created as a support document to seek state and federal funding to create the necessary legislation to build out a network of sites to track and study the Bat Squatch. Our tax dollars at work. Now this is the type of glorious internet discovery 
that makes producing Renegade files such an ongoing thrill for someone like me. I will link to the document in the show notes so you can check it out. It's pretty cool. The report determines three factors to consider when locating a bat squatch research station, elevation, forest cover, and interstates. And I kind of chuckle a little bit to myself, but anyone who has ever seen a bat squatch has been genuinely terrified, so I don't mean to make light of it. The report indicates elevation because bat squatches are naturally attracted to and prefer to live in mountainous environments, so elevation is important for setting up a search headquarters. Forest cover is important since many of the animals that bat squatch prey on, such as deer and moose, live in these habitats. Proximity to interstates is important to assess. Interstates allow for movement of staff and supplies to and from research stations with relative ease, making them vital for a successful operation of such a facility. However, bat squatches have also been documented telepathically interfering with the controls of motor vehicles on multiple occasions, and they are also seemingly attracted to busy roads. All of this is from the document, and to be honest, it is so cool. It goes on to analyze and link to Washington State border coordinates, forest cover from the Department of Natural Resources, elevation maps, and interstate highway GIS open data charts. All of this information is weighted and charted to triangulate the best locations by percentages of most, fairly, less, and least habitable terrain for bat squatches. In the end, these are the report's policy recommendations, and I'm reading directly from the report. Policy recommendations. Being large, aggressive creatures, considerable land should be set aside and protected to help minimize contact between bat squatch and people and ensure that these animals have space to live undisturbed. Given the high habitability of Spokane and the Cascade Mountain Range areas, I recommend that bat squatch monitoring stations be constructed at both of these locations. The high elevation, access to forest cover, and proximity to interstates make these sites ideal for both bat squatch occupation and the maintenance of a human research presence. In locations with favorable habitability, fairly and most habitable, the public should be informed of the potential risk of bat squatch encounters and programs should be set up to encourage the reporting of bat squatch sightings and advise proper safety protocol for such interactions. By doing so, the state of Washington can ensure that its citizens and these misunderstood cryptids can coexist for centuries to come, end quote. Now, one of the most famous sightings occurred near Mount Rainier, Washington, in the 1940s. Multiple witnesses reported seeing a massive creature with the bat-like wings soaring through the sky. Its terrifying screech echoed through the air, leaving those who witnessed it in awe and fear. In more recent years, sightings of the bat squatch have been reported in the vast wilderness of Gifford Pinchot National Forest. Witnesses have described seeing a creature with a humanoid body, enormous wings, and glowing red eyes, 
The encounters often leave witnesses with a sense of unease and a lingering curiosity about the true nature of the beast. One solid report of Batsquatch comes from an interview posted in the News Tribune out of Tacoma and written by reporter C.R. Roberts. Both the paper and C.R. Roberts are credible, which makes this an official account of a Batsquatch encounter. Here is an excerpt from the article that Roberts wrote about Brian Canfield's up-close encounter with what sounds like a Batsquatch. Quote, The engine died and the dashboard lights fell dark. Although he hadn't applied the brakes, the pickup truck he was driving stopped suddenly, abruptly, square in the middle of the road, there between the edge of the forest and the scrubby, clear-cut field. His headlights cut a hole through the night. He sat wondering what was wrong. Then he saw the feet descending. Bird feet. Claw feet. Then the legs, the torso, the chest, and the wings folded attached to the back of the broad shoulders, then the head, that face. The creature, nine feet tall, thirty feet away, blue-tinted fur, yellowish eyes, tufted ears and sharp straight teeth, with a dust-raising thud it landed. Brian Canfield, 18, held tight to the steering wheel. He was alone and on his way home, from Buckley to the isolated settlement of Camp 1, located in the Mount Rainier foothills above Lake Kaposan. He does not take drugs. He's a high school senior, known locally as an average normal kid. Except for the fact that he doesn't take drugs, of course. It was standing there staring at me, he said, like it was resting. Like it didn't know what to think, Canfield says. I was scared. It raised the hair on me. I didn't feel threatened. I just felt out of place. He goes on to say it's looking right at me in a deep stare, like right through me. It's standing perfectly still. It stood for how long? A few minutes. Several minutes. Then its fingers twitched and its wings began to unfold. Those wings were as wide as the road. Canfield says it turned its head and looked back at him and started flapping its wings. It slowly rose, and so great was the turbulence that the truck began to rock and sway. Slowly, the creature flew off in the direction of Mount Rainier. A few minutes later, the truck just started. Canfield says, I took off as fast as I could. And that's the end of the article, and Batsquatch may not be limited to flying the skies of Washington State. A report of a family's encounter with Batsquatch in Missouri from 2015 was posted in several local newspapers, including the Phelps County Focus. That incident was also reported to MUFON, who investigated the encounter. A local family was driving down a dirt road, heading to the Blue Spring Trailhead in Shannon County, Missouri when the mother first spotted a creature, lumbering toward them along the roadside ahead, then turning to take flight as the vehicle approached. The creature, seemingly out of a fantasy realm, supernatural in appearance, it flew with lunging wing flaps up into the fading sunset sky, its dark, fur-covered limbs hanging down from its muscular, man-like body. When interviewed by MUFON investigators Dr. Emmett Reary and Gary Hart, the woman described the creature as a winged entity 
seven to eight feet tall, with leathery wings from its shoulders to the ground, black in color, with pointed ears on a triangular head and large yellow eyes that projected into her a feeling of dread. As for exactly what these people are seeing, there are three main categories of Bat Squatch and Kansas City Demon Cryptid Theory. The first is that of an unknown species. Cryptozoologists and believers in the existence of cryptids argue that the Bat Squatches and Kansas City Demons could be undiscovered species, possibly hybrid creatures that have evolved in isolation. This theory suggests that the creatures have adapted to their mountainous environments of rugged elevations where flight is a distinct advantage, and this combination of flight and inhospitable terrain has allowed them to remain hidden from human eyes for centuries, from most human eyes. The second is that what people are seeing is some form of supernatural entity. Some speculate that the Bat Squatch may possess supernatural or paranormal abilities. The creature's ability to glide silently through the night and emit eerie vocalizations has led to theories suggesting a connection to the spirit realm or to interdimensional travel, something that has slipped through the boundaries between worlds and gives us mere glimpses before it penetrates back through the veil to vanish into its own realm again. The third theory is a combination of misidentification and hoax. Skeptics propose that reported sightings of the Bat Squatch can be attributed to misidentifications of known animals, such as large birds or owls. And it seems a bit much, but they also argue that some encounters may be hoaxes or products of imaginative storytelling, perpetuating the myth of such a creature. Both of these are possibilities, but I always get cynical when skeptics suggest that someone seeing a nine-foot-tall humanoid with bat wings and a wolf face is actually misidentifying an owl. What's interesting from a paranormal investigation perspective is how similar the bat squatch descriptions are. A nine-foot-tall, hairy humanoid with a bat or wolf-like face, a huge bat-wing wingspan, mostly yellow and sometimes yellow-red eyes, flying, shrieking, and conveying a sense of fear among the witnesses. Have you ever seen an owl and been scared out of your wits? Probably not usually. Multiple people have described this creature. Many have seen it with other people in attendance at the same time. Yet few, if any, photos or videos have surfaced. There's even an IPA made by Rogue Brewing called Bat Squatch. And I can say from personal experience, that's one cryptid I've encountered several times. Drink responsibly. The next flying cryptid is something completely different than your everyday giant flying monster. The glitterfly is a small butterfly or butterfly-like creature with a dark body and orange wings decorated with yellow spots. The underside of these wings are pale and sparkle when seen from below. When glitter flies are in flight, shimmering glitter seems to sprinkle and swirl from the small creature's wings. Glitter flies have been seen for decades, mostly in southern Michigan, 
and the surrounding suburbs of Detroit. No official entomologist has ever captured or studied the glitter fly that we know of, but most believe it to be an as yet undiscovered or at least unofficially recognized species of butterfly. Some suggest that the glitter fly could be an escaped exotic form of moth that has interbred with another species to create the glittering effect witnesses claim to see. There are no decent photos of a glitter fly that I could find, and image searches lead mostly to makeup tutorials and t-shirts. Maybe someday, someone will catch a glitter fly, and just like happens thousands of times per year, a new species will be cataloged and recognized by the mainstream. I've talked to a few people while I've been working on this show, and the people I've told about the glitter fly immediately draw the parallel to a fairy. Everyone sort of says, man, that sounds exactly like what people describe a fairy. Maybe the people who have thought they've seen fairies have seen glitter flies. And yeah, I would agree. Heading over to Africa, we find stories of the Kongamato. The Kongamato is a flying cryptid most often seen in the deep marshes and jungles of equatorial Africa. These hot, damp jungles are of special interest to cryptozoologists because of the vast number of unrecognized or unknown animal sightings reported there. The Kongamato resembles a pterodactyl, the giant flying dinosaur known to exist from the Jurassic through the Cretaceous periods 163 million to 66 million years ago. Is it possible that a flying animal could live and go undetected for 66 million years? Maybe in remote parts of Africa it is possible. Reported sightings of the Kongamoto describe a 7-foot wingspan and a fiercely territorial disposition. Witnesses claim to have seen and heard the creature scream with its long, opened, beak-like snout revealing huge, sharp teeth which dismisses the possibility of this being a misidentified modern bird. Come see illustrations of the Kongamato inside the Renegade Files agency on Patreon. Tap the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash renegadefiles and get a full week totally free. For less than you would spend on a coffeehouse double latte, you can become an RFA agent, get bonus episodes, deep research and pictures from every episode, free background music mp3s, episode transcripts, and you also directly help me make these shows. You keep them ad-free, and you keep the lights on here at the Jungle Villa Outpost. And a grateful salute to you if you are already an RFA agent on Patreon. You make the show possible. Thank you so much. One Kongamoto sighting was recorded by legendary explorer Ivan T. Sanderson. Sanderson was an adventurer and a remarkable person who led an extraordinary life. He got a zoology degree from Cambridge. Then, as a young man, through the 1920s and 30s, he traveled around the world exploring wild habitats and collecting rare animals for study. He became a popular writer on these subjects, then rose to fame when he was attacked by a giant bat on an expedition and told the story in harrowing detail. During World War II, Sanderson worked for British Naval Intelligence where he was in charge of counter-espionage against the Germans in the Caribbean. 
He then worked for the British Security Coordination, which was a covert organization set up in New York City by the British Secret Intelligence Service. When the war ended, Ivan Sanderson became a press agent in New York City. He eventually became a U.S. citizen, lived in New Jersey and Manhattan, founded the Society for the Investigation of the Unexplained, and he passed away in 1973. What a life. In 1932, Sanderson was engaged in an expedition into the remote regions of Cameroon in West Central Africa. While tracking an unknown flying beast that they chased as it flew, then landed from one rocky volcanic outcropping to the next, a member of his team shot the creature down. They rushed to the animal where it had crashed on the plane and found it to be a mixture of bat, bird, and reptile. While measuring and recording the creature's dimensions, the men were suddenly beset by what they surmised to be the creature's mate. It swooped and screeched, grabbing one guide in its claws and tossing him 20 feet across the ground before landing with a skid, turning, raising its wings in a dragon-like pose and screeching a horrible cry. The disheveled and battered explorers ran away terrified, taking cover in a nearby tree line and watching this prehistoric beast fly away over the horizon. The local tribesmen in the village where they took their wounded companion said these men had seen the Kangamato. The locals regarded it as a herald of death and considered it to be far more dangerous than the lion, the leopard, or even the black mamba snake. Kangamatos have been reported in Zambia, Angola, and the Congo. And by more than just Ivan T. Sanderson. Frank Melland, in his 1923 book, Witchbound Africa, describes seeing a prehistoric flying reptile living among the African rivers that he explored. He said the beasts were considered very dangerous by the locals and that they often attacked people in small boats. The creature he saw was red with a wingspan of four to seven feet. Members of the local Kayande tribe identified it as a pterodactyl after being shown a picture of one of those in a book from Mellon's collection. In 1956, engineer Jay Brown claimed to see such a creature at Fort Rosebery, near Lake Bangwawulu in northern Rhodesia, which is now Zambia. It was about 6 p.m. when he saw two large figures flying slowly and silently directly overhead. He said they looked absolutely prehistoric, had an estimated wingspan of three and a half to four feet, and a beak to tail length of about four and a half feet, a long thin tail, and a narrow head, which he likened to the elongated snout of a dog. And right away, the long, thin tail takes it out of the category of like a big heron or something. Kongamatos have been reported in these West African regions for years, but field expeditions to the area are notoriously difficult, and information gathered about this elusive, dinosaur-like creature remains scarce. Now we come to a big one, Mothman. As far as flying cryptids go, Mothman might be the most widely known. 
Mothman is a winged and flying humanoid seen by multiple witnesses in the Point Pleasant, West Virginia area from November 15, 1966 to December 15, 1967. The first newspaper story appeared in the Point Pleasant Register on 16 November 1966 with a headline that read, Couples See Man-Sized Bird, Creature, Something. Quite a headline. The national press picked up this article and spread the story across the country. People described seeing a horrible monster, the size of a large man, with glowing red eyes, covered in gray and black, shaggy, matted, or mangy fur, and flying with enormous, powerful, moth-like wings. Some claim that the Mothman came from a military storage facility and that the creature could be an experiment gone wrong or escaped. Skeptics say the sightings were migrating cranes, but that hardly seems likely. In 1975, author John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies, drew parallels between Mothman sightings and a string of supernatural events that culminated in the collapse of the Silver Bridge, which was a suspension bridge that crossed the Ohio River. We dove deep into some of the theories put forth by the late great John Keel and others in Renegade Files episode 34, The Unified Paranormal Theory, where we explored the possibility that there may very well be a common connection that unifies all paranormal events. Listen to that episode today, or if you already have and liked it, please share it with your freaky friends by sending them a link to therenegadefiles.com and suggesting they check out Renegade Files Episode 34, The Unified Paranormal Theory. Thank you. Mothman seems to have grown increasingly elusive over the years, but his legend continues to generate curiosity among his fans. John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies, was turned into a pretty successful movie which starred Richard Gere. The movie is largely responsible for the popularity of Mothman to this day. The town of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, holds an annual festival devoted to the Mothman legend. The first annual Mothman festival took place in 2002 as a way to celebrate the local legend and increase tourism for the town. According to event organizer Jeff Wamsley, average attendance for the Mothman Festival is about 12,000 people. Visitors can also see the life-size statue of the creature installed permanently downtown and take a tour of the Mothman Museum and Research Center. The festival is held on the third weekend of September and features guest speakers, vendor exhibits, and hayride tours of local areas where Mothman has been seen. Most Mothman photos are inconclusive, so to see the creature, we're left with a fun festival, drawings, and the imaginings of Hollywood. Next up is the Chilean Manta Man, like Manta Ray, seen flying above tropical forests in modern-day northern Chile. The Chilean Manta Man is described as a large humanoid creature with leathery wings stretched between its limbs, resembling a manta ray's fins. Manta Man is about seven feet tall and has a short tail. Some report the wings as having smooth edges, and other sightings describe the wings as jagged. 
most sightings report the creature having a humped back. The Manta Man is said to be vicious, and some witnesses have claimed to see the creature chase and capture dogs and then devour them. The first reported sighting of this strange being occurred on 29 September 2013. The witness claimed to have seen the creature rise from the tree line in Bustamante Park in Santiago de Chile. When asked to describe the animal, the witness claimed it was about seven feet tall and looked like a manta ray crossed with a gargoyle. The witness, who has chosen to go by the pseudonym Ignacio, has become somewhat of a Chilean folk hero due to his eyewitness accounts on local TV news shows. Manta Man has been sighted many times since. One witness spotted the creature in Los Barrenchia Commune, which is a town in the Chilean mountains. Another sighting occurred when witnesses watched in awe as a winged humanoid creature of the same description circled a church tower in Santiago for a minute, then flew off into the distance. One married couple saw the creature grab a dog from the street and carry it to a perch on the top of another church tower and devour the dog. They swore to local authorities if they climbed to the top alcove, they would find the remnants of the dog and the evidence of the Manta Man, but no research was ever conducted that I could find. The Chilean Manta Man is thought to be a relic flying dinosaur or maybe an enormous hybrid bat. Giant bats of six or more feet tall have been rumored to exist in South America since the earliest European explorers braved the alpine forests there. Many cryptozoologists are quick to point out the similarities between Manta Man and the previously discussed North American Mothman. Traveling up to New Jersey, we not only find the largest remaining example of the Atlantic Coastal Pine Barrens ecosystem in a protected woodland of over a million acres, but here we also encounter the Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil is a bipedal, kangaroo-like creature with leathery wings, horns, small arms, clawed hands, cloven hooves below strong legs, and a forked or pointed tail. It is reported to be very fast and said to emit a blood-chilling scream. The Lenape natives who originally inhabited the Pine Barrens believed the area was guarded by a spirit they called Masing. This took the form of a deer-like creature with leathery wings. As far as flying cryptids go, this is a clear example of a creature seen in modern times that mirrors an indigenous legend. As we have noted in previous episodes, such as Bigfoot and the folklore episodes, stories of cryptid sightings and first people's mythologies often go hand in hand. So how did this monster make its way from Native American tales into the modern day? It all started in the pre-revolutionary period when the prominent Leeds family who called the Pine Barrens home came into conflict with the local Quaker majority. The Leeds family had a long history of tragedy with many wives, children, and family members dying, vanishing, and generally falling to bad luck one ancestor had 13 kids, and the last was thought to be the devil. 
A family diary tells us that this 13th child was born normal, but that he soon transformed into a creature with hooves, a goat's head, bat wings, and a forked tail. Growling and screaming, the child beat everyone with its tail before flying up the chimney and heading into the woods. Other accounts of this tale tell us that Mother Leeds was a witch, and the child's father either in league with the devil or the devil himself, and in any case, their unholy union had conjured the thirteenth child and created a beast, then unleashed it upon the world. Now with a history like that, it's hard to understand exactly how, in just a few generations, family patriarch Daniel Leeds rose in the ranks of the local Quaker church, and the local Quaker church drew quite a bit of water in the colonial Jersey town. But then, Daniel Leeds wrote and published an almanac, and this book contained far too many astrological events, symbols, and solar correlations for the religious zealots in charge of the town, and Leeds was initially shunned for the book and eventually ostracized when the Quaker leadership declared his almanac to be far too pagan and blasphemous. His books were banned and burned, and Leeds, although still a wealthy landowner, was banished from the Quaker circles. In addition to this scandal, Daniel Leeds' son, Titan Leeds, a cool name to be certain, was accused by none other than Benjamin Franklin himself of being a ghost. And I don't know what that's all about, I couldn't find much about it. But it didn't help that the Leeds family crest also had winged dragons on it. In a time when thoughts of American independence were being born, these issues made the Leeds family a political and religious liability. They were blamed for everything from bad weather to poor crops, and of course, floods. At this same time, country folk and farmers in the Pine Barrens forests surrounding the Leeds home began to see winged monsters fitting the exact descriptions of the Native American folk beasts and the legend of the Leeds demon, which eventually became known as the Jersey Devil, was born. Sightings continued through the end of the 1800s. Then, in 1909, sightings became more frequent, and the popular image of the creature, bat-like wings, horse head, claws, and the general appearance of a dragon, became the norm. Once again, depictions of the Jersey Devil consist mostly of old drawings and newspaper sketches from the American Revolution era, but what could be more fun? There have been some modern photos of what people claim is the Jersey Devil. One of the best was taken through a car windshield on a rainy day in 2015, and it clearly shows some bat-winged creature emerging in the sky above the roadside tree line, and whatever it is, it's big. Skeptics cry hoax, and the photographer remains anonymous. Another famous Jersey Devil photo shows some kind of black, hairless, dog-like animal with weird clawed feet climbing over the top of a wooden fence under bright green tree foliage. You may have seen this picture. The creature has a very long, whip-like tail, but no wings. Who knows what it is, but it did make the Krypton bulleted board rounds a few years back. Not exactly a cryptid, but a flying herald of woe that deserves an honorable mention here is the belled buzzard. Otherwise a common turkey buzzard, belled buzzards were seen throughout the American South from about 1850 through the late 1880s. 
these were actual buzzards that, for whatever reason, people would catch and fit with a collar of some sort with attached sleigh bells or some other kind of small bell. Given their flapping, somewhat ungraceful flight style, particularly at low altitude when navigating around trees or trying to land, the bells would ring and generally unnerve anyone who saw this happening. As stories spread through the newspapers of the day, the belled buzzard, belled buzzard, began to be associated with bad omens or natural disasters, and seeing one was positively bad luck. Why then people persisted in putting bells on these birds is beyond me, but it seems to have become a thing. Sightings of belled buzzards moved well beyond its origins in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Virginia, and began to appear in headlines from Maryland, Ohio, Kentucky, Mississippi, Texas, and New York. Headlines such as, A Bird of Evil Omen, and Disaster Feared with Coming of Belled Buzzard. <laughs> One article in the Delaware Ledger told readers, quote, We most sincerely hope that the belled buzzard will not locate in this section. It might be the forerunner of cholera. And a Nebraska paper stated that, quote, a buzzard with a bell on its neck is frightening people in Maryland. They take it to be the angel of death. All of this fear-mongering is said to be the source of the old saying, not enough sense to bell a buzzard, which I guess was used to refer to someone foolish, but I can honestly say that's a phrase I've never heard. Not enough sense to bell a buzzard. Okay, one last note on the belled buzzard concerns its origin story, I guess. An article from May 5, 1900, reported that three Georgia Army veterans, soldiers Gerald, Davis, and Smith, belled a buzzard in Florida in 1863, and that a buzzard captured at Fort Gaines, Georgia some times later, was speculated to be the same bird, due to the alleged similarities of the bronze bell and leather collar that the soldiers used. I guess this was before Netflix and podcasts, so they had to make their own fun, right? Another honorable mention goes to the viral photo of what looks very much like a giant winged demon on an Arizona street at night, which was taken and posted by a Phoenix man in 2017. Yes, the photo is blurry, and at this point, I'd be disappointed if it weren't, but it is eerie with the 20 or so foot tall figure looming on a neighborhood street, glowing under the yellow sulfur street light bulbs. Some say it's photoshopped, of course, and others say it's two palm trees in the wind, making a pareidolia effect that causes this convincing demon silhouette. Whatever it is, that photo is creepy, and sometimes that's all it takes to spark interest. This is where we come to the end of this episode on flying cryptids. It's a really fun subgenre, and the stories are cool. This is a subject where the explanations are mostly weak. The best that skeptics can do is birds or bats. But when hundreds of people see a nine-foot-tall flying man with red eyes, black fur, and bat wings, that doesn't sound like a sandhill crane. We have sandhill cranes deep in the uncharted tropics, and they are big, but I've never thought one was a flying person. They look like birds. 
they are birds. I like stories like the Jersey Devil that parallel Native American traditions from the same area. Those types of cryptids have a deeper realism for me. Something about the legend and the energy of the terrain that conjures these creatures for centuries. Maybe these places are what John Keel calls window areas. The natives saw these things just like we see them today because, for whatever reason, that's the spot where things slip through these dimensions. Rural towns in Mexico have long histories of people seeing witches flying on brooms. The British Isles have fairies fluttering through the manicured gardens. And peasant kids in Romania see vampires hang gliding with their capes outstretched to darken their starlit skies. Cryptids and creatures of unknown identity have always captured our imaginations. When these monsters take to the sky, they swoop through our fevered visions, dive bomb our peaceful windy walks, and soar through our nightmares. Thank you for coming along to explore the dizzy heights of flying cryptids. Please share Renegade Files with someone you think would like what we do, so they too can enjoy the paranormal, the unsolved, and the deep weirdness stories that we love to dive into here. Until our next adventure, I'm your host, Lex Gordon. Wild, primal child.